Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom and welcome everybody to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is Ryan Cabrera, your co-host, and I am here in studio with the one and only Pastor Nick Plummer. And guess what? We are studying the Torah portion. I know, big surprise. This week's Torah portion is Bo, which means come. And you could find it in the book of Exodus, starting at chapter 10, verse 1, and ending in chapter 13, verse 16. Now, keep in mind that when we do follow through the scriptures, that we are coming out of the King James Version of the Bible for no other reason than just to uh, have unity amongst the brethren so that we can all follow along, that we're using the same you know terminology and whatnot as we go through it. And some of the words, obviously, we'll dig into and whatnot. But Bo is an exciting tour portion. We are still in the plagues. Last week, if you'll remember, we had seven, and we are going into number eight. That's correct, Ryan. And let's do a little review here of these plagues, first of all. The first one was the Nile turned to blood. Second one was frogs. Uh, third plague was lice. And, of course, uh, the fourth plague was flies, swarm of flies. And number five is moraine, or a cattle disease. And, uh, of course, number six is boils. Uh, number seven, hail and fire. So let's begin in, of course, the first question. Exodus chapter 10, verse 4. What was the eighth plague that the Lord brought into the land of Egypt? Locusts. It was locusts. And so here we go now. We're, we're on this particular plague. It's number eight. And um, Pharaoh did agree that the men only could go and hold a feast unto the Lord. Only the men. And so once again, his ego is still kicking in. He's definitely, I would be labeling him a narcissist. He's full of himself and his own free will is, is hardening against God. And of course, we can see this uh, being being played out. But we're chipping away at it, right? God's God's chipping away at him. You know, first oh, he's yeah. like, no. Now he's like, okay, you can do it here. Now he's like, okay, the men can go. That's right. And so, you know, Moses, he told Pharaoh that everyone needed to go in order to hold a feast to the Lord, you know? And that's why we uh, we kind of outsource our child care on our feast days, because we want everybody to be together. Now, the interesting thing is, so he said the men can go, and Moses says, no, our whole families need to go. And so then there's this little uh, crocodile tears, literally kind of funny if, if you have the Nile. But um, Pharaoh admitted to Moses and Aaron that uh, he had sinned against the Lord. And, uh, and so all of a sudden, you know, we're going to go into this next wave of uh, circumstances, and uh, not even one locust remained in the land of Egypt after they were swept into the Red Sea. So check this out. Not one locust remained. Check this out. So uh, what brought the, the locust was an east wind. So what's east of Egypt? It's Israel. It's Israel. That's ah. right. And so uh, at the end of the plague, the locust went into the, the Sea of Reeds or the Red Sea, uh, but I found it interesting that the east wind from Israel blew the locusts into Egypt. Very so, interesting. You know, the, so here we have the locusts. You know, they've been uh, documentation that locusts have ever, even been known to eat a trampoline and leave the metal framing. The locusts were so bad. Uh, this is actually public records, but uh, that's amazing if you stop and think about it. So once again, uh, God is hitting the economy of Egypt as well, hitting them in their pockets. And... Um, uh, the next plague, of course, is darkness, Exodus 10, 21. After the locust comes darkness, plague number nine. And they could actually feel the darkness. It, the darkness was so, so, it was just so in your face 
that uh, they could feel the darkness. And this darkness was for three days. But who were the only people who had light in their dwellings? Question number 13 on Exodus 10, 23. Who were the only people who had light in their dwellings? The children of Israel. Notice he's making a division uh, of the people, you know. And remember in Exodus 19, uh, if you hear his voice and keep his covenant, you will be above all people. So here we have the children of Israel had light. And uh, that's, that's incredible. And so question number 14, what did Pharaoh want Moses to leave behind in Egypt as the children of Israel went to serve the Lord? Uh, He wanted them to leave behind their flocks and their herds. So how are you going to have a sacrifice if you keep the sacrifice in Egypt? Very interesting, isn't it? Mm. Of course, they know they worship the golden calf and all of that. And that really worked out for us well in the future, didn't it? I mean, some of these things still still stick with us. And uh, Exodus 10.25 says... And Moses said, Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. So basically, Moses' response to Pharaoh was, not only are we going to take our flocks and herds, but you should give us sacrifices and burnt offerings to take as well. Well, yeah, they're going to be, uh, basically, you're going to say they're going to plunder Egypt here. And so did Pharaoh once again have his heart hardened by the Lord and did not let Israel go? Uh, Yeah. This is during the darkness now. This is unbelievable. You know, uh, it got so heated up and so intense in these negotiations that uh, in Exodus 10, 28, question number 17, what did Pharaoh say would happen to Moses the next time he saw Moses' face? He would die. He says he would die. And of course, what was Moses' response in Exodus 10, 29? So in Exodus 10, 29, I'll read it for you. It says, And Moses said, Thou hast spoken well. I will see thy face again no more. You know, and so once again, this is a, a, a true statement. Uh, neither one of them will see each other. Uh, question number 19 in Exodus eleven two: What two things were given to the children of Israel by the Egyptians because they had favor? Uh, jewels of silver and jewels of gold. Now notice, you know, these are like back wages, you know, some back pay. Oh yeah, for building good, up Egypt and everything. You know, I thought point. that was. I learned this from Aleph Beta. I thought that was kind of an interesting point to be made. That once again, everything that they were were given, uh, they were going to use to further the kingdom and to build something uh, for the Lord. So I thought that's interesting. Well, we all pay. need to remember that that everything that the Father has given us is to be used for the kingdom and for the good of mankind and and to further it. And uh, this is very interesting. I love this as this is all going down. You know, we have Pharaoh, we have his administration, his court of magicians and, and, and all of their shenanigans and stuff. And then, of course, you know, we have, of course, the people of, of Egypt themselves, the lay people. And uh, so who was great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people? I thought this is interesting. So basically, Moses becomes kind of like a folk celebrity. That's right. Because it's eleven three. And think think about it though. You've got Pharaoh, and, and if it's the job of the leader is to protect the people and to you know do all the think about it a government administration. Uh, Moses in this scenario is doing a much better job than Pharaoh of protecting his people than Pharaoh is of protecting his own. And so they're almost like, I want to be on Moses' team because Moses' people have light in the darkness. They're not getting eaten up by locusts. They're not covered with flies, you know, so on and so forth. That's right. Moshe was the man. He uh, he built up a, a, an incredible following. We know, of course, people in the past that would, would, would actually come after the government to some some form or fashion. We know, like, even we just celebrated uh, Martin Luther King Day and... Uh, we know that he, he challenged the status quo uh, in regard 
to uh, the civil rights movement, sure and did. so did Gandhi. Gandhi challenged the British Empire, you know, and uh, these these examples made great strides. My hat goes off to them. I respect them for that because they really, really, really made a difference. And so this is all leading up to the tenth and final plague, which was what Ryan in Exodus eleven five. So Alex, uh, Alexis, uh, Exodus eleven five says, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even into the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. So it's the death of the firstborn. And here we go. Pharaoh still refuses to let the children of Israel go. He still refuses. And we know the firstborn belong to God. And why can he take the firstborn? Because they belong to him, both man and beast. So here we go. We're going to be getting into the biblical calendar now. What did the Lord establish for the children of Israel in Exodus 12, 2 and question number 23 in the Torah questionnaire? The first month of the year says, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months, and it shall be the first month of the year to you. It's interesting. He says it twice in two different ways in the same verse. So what's interesting is that as he's going to bring us out of the world, Ryan, this is what's so incredible. As the Lord saved me and brought me along, he showed me his calendar in just a matter of time. And I thought that's interesting. And so, um, you know, every man shall take a lamb according to the house of their fathers. Uh, that's, of course, found in Exodus twelve three. Every man shall take a lamb according to the house of their fathers. And then... Uh, if the household was too little for the lamb, they would share with their nearest neighbor. I love that. We're taking a community to the next next level. You know, love God, right? Love your neighbor and love yourself. So share with the nearest neighbor. Uh, once again, the lambs could have no blemishes and it had to be a male. See, these are spiritual laws that we are reviewing here, Ryan, because God has declared that Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Uh, it's very interesting, you know, when you think about this. And, uh, of course, uh, on the 14th day of the first month, you are to kill it in the evening. Uh, kill it in the evening. Oh, and by the way, if we go back to taking this lamb on the 10th day, it's to examine it, you know, to make sure it has no blemishes. And so what did Yeshua do the last week? Of his life, he enters into Jerusalem, and the very first uh, night he goes into Jerusalem, and he actually uh, has supper with his friends, dinner. And I I find it interesting that he gave them more than just four days to examine him. Uh, He went into Jerusalem, into the courts, and he showed himself, and they could find no accusation against him, no fault with him on that. And so here we go. It's on the 14th day of the first month, and it was killed in the evening. That's when this lamb was killed. And then uh, as we move forward into this, they were to take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses, Exodus 12, 7. So without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So we are justified by the finished work of the cross, by the blood of Yeshua. You know, we, we are set free. The second Adam has given us eternal life. It's so simple, you know, that you could teach the gospel to a, a child, a small child, a you know, four or five years old that, you know, God made us, uh, we messed up and God gave us a way out in his son, Yeshua. I think a lot of times in the Hebrews or the Christian faith movement, uh, we spend a lot of time on do's and don'ts and commandments when in fact we should be having the yoke of Yeshua, which is light and easy. We are justified by the finished work of the cross. And now we get to do all of these things. So the blood was struck on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses. And so what three things were needed for the meal 
by the Israelites on the 14th day in the first month in Exodus 12.8. That's question number 29 in the Torah questionnaire. What three ingredients were needed, Ryan? So this is cool because it's the it's the three basic ingredients to the Passover Seder, right? So there's there's liturgy and there's different people within the Hebrews movement that do it different ways. Um, and they say, you're doing it right, you're doing it wrong. But here are the three things that you must have to qualify uh, as, as keeping the commitment of Passover. And that is lamb roast with fire, unleavened bread, and bitter herbs. And so if you have those three things and, uh, and you're doing it as a community, then the chances are you might be doing it right now. Yep, there I it is. I want to go back to the doorpost. Uh, there's two things about the doorpost and the blood on the doorpost. Um, number one, this is a symbol of Yeshua's blood, right? That he's, he's shed his blood onto the, and we've put it on the doorpost of our hearts. And so the worst thing that could ever happen to us is not going to happen to us, right? The second death, we've been passed over uh, by the, the quote-unquote death angel. But there's also um, this symbol, right, of that doorpost. Uh, Mike Cromwell last night was talking about it being a chet, right? The, the Hebrew letter chet, which is uh, uh, the first Hebrew letter in the word chai, which is life. So you had the yod in there, which is, you know, the symbol of God. Um, and now you have chai, right? Life that God gives. And then last but not least, the same, the same motion of putting it on the top and on the bo- bottom of the doorpost uh, is the symbol of, of, of the cross as well. So you've got so much richness built into just putting, taking the hyssop and, and putting the blood on the doorpost. And in regard to the three main ingredients of the lamb, unleavened bread, and bitter herbs, we know the lamb represents Yeshua, Jesus. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Notice it's singular, not plural, the sin. Uh, then, of course, unleavened bread is needed. Uh, and, of course, unleavened bread is a picture of Yeshua being without sin, uh, eating the unleavened bread in haste as well, not allowing the bread to rise. But uh, we can see this. Of course, the bitter herbs represent slavery in Egypt, also our sins. The bitter herbs represent sins. And so, of course, uh, you are not allowed to eat the lamb raw or sodden with water, Exodus 12, 9. And uh, the lamb had to be roasted. And you could not have any leftovers. The leftovers were actually burned with fire. And that's in Exodus chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. So you couldn't eat the uh, lamb raw. I know some of you love sushi. But you cannot eat it raw. Lamb tartar. Sodden with water. Not boiled. Can't be, can't be, it has to be roasted with fire. We know fire plays a big part of God in what he's doing. Especially when there was um, fire on top of Mount Sinai when they get the commandments. We're going to find that out later on. Um, and of course, the, the children of Israel, they had to eat the Lord's Passover in haste. It, they had to eat it in haste. And uh, we know in uh, Exodus 12, 12, uh, who was the Lord going to kill that night? Uh, the firstborn of all of Egypt, man and beast. There you go. All the firstborn land of Egypt, both man and beast. Of course, the Lord declares that the firstborn are his. If you are a firstborn among your siblings, if you were born or even you're, you're an only child, you're a firstborn, you have a responsibility to fulfill your religious obligation and your righteousness unto the Lord uh, because that's how it's supposed to be. And uh, if not, it will go down into the youngest. The Lord will use the youngest. Uh, you might be in the middle of the pack, but I'm telling you, somebody's got to pick this mantle up and, and, and follow through with it. In Exodus 12, 13, it says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now, there you go. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, 
I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. You know, as we look at the blood of Yeshua, uh, it's so important because we, we, we spend so much time trying to do this and trying to do that in this movement. We just need to take a deep breath and rest in the cross and know that we are justified by the finished work of the cross and we can rest in him. Now, was the feast for a memorial only or was it to be kept forever? Uh, this is one of those interesting questions. The answer is forever. Wow. So, and so, it says it yeah. like three different ways. The forever, same is forever. Yeah, forever, throughout your generations, perpetually everlasting. I mean, it's it's. he and says we, it every way that you could possibly say forever so that you don't misunderstand what forever means. Even if you go back to the Last Supper, Yeshua was doing a Passover Seder. You know, and I find that very interesting. And we'll be doing uh, Passover seders in our homes this year. We'll be having a Passover seder class. So uh, be be uh, you know in tune for that. Keep up with that because we're going to be having a, a a class for you to be able to do your own seder in your home, and that you, as as the leader of the home, will even administer communion to your guests. So, and if you're uh, and if you're listening to this and you're not a part of the Beit Tehillah community here locally, and you want those resources, please email us at the info at topraise.net, and we'll gladly get you. Um, you know, information and resources on how to do oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Home. This is we're going to be going into the season of redemption right after Purim. So, uh, how many days were the Israelites to eat unleavened bread? Seven. Seven days. Once again, we're commanded to eat unleavened bread. How about that? It's not just that we we get to eat it or, or we're supposed to eat it, but you, we have to eat unleavened bread. It's a commandment for seven days. Ryan, I believe the picture of the unleavened bread is actually a picture of us getting the sin out, the leaven out. Once we become born again in that particular day and we give our life to the Lord, uh, the next seven days is, is for completion. And we know the Messiah will rule and reign for a thousand years. And then he's going to, of course, make a new heaven, and new earth. That This will actually be on the eighth day. So I find that interesting as we close out six days of creation, 6,000 years, supposedly. Uh, we'll have 1,000 years for him to rule and reign. So it all makes sense. And so we deny ourselves of leaven. But then in tabernacles, for seven days, we are to pate. We are to have joy and dance and eat. And I love it how it just builds up to that. Now, why would I associate unleavened bread with sin? Because it actually in question number 37, Exodus 12, 15, what were they to put out of their houses? Leaven. So any leaven you have in your house, you know, you're supposed to get it out. You get know, the leaven out. Puffy bread. You got to get it out. You got to get the leaven out. And uh, that's that's the key. So here's interesting uh, a point. Uh, what happens to the person who eats leaven during the seven days of unleavened bread? Uh, they're cut off from Israel. They'll be cut off from Israel. Hey, listen. Uh, it, you need to be checking this out because this is very, very interesting. You know, if you want to know if something's important to the Lord, look at the punishment for violating it. It's just like if you don't keep the feast, you're basically excommunicated. You're kicked out of the camp. You're kicked out of the society of Israel and you're cut off from Israel. Now, but you leave if, with your head if you don't. Yeah. But if you don't keep the Shabbat, you're stoned, you know, so oh. which is more important. It's very, very interesting point to be made here. And uh, this is also important to know in Exodus 12, 16, in, in reference to in, in what days do I take off of work? So what two days were the Israelites to have holy convocations, which is to come together and forbidden to work? The first day and the seventh day. The first and seventh day, if it, if it be possible for you. Some of you work in corporate America, I understand that. But we actually shut the office down in honor of those two days. And so uh, in Exodus 12, 21, once again, we see this point of accountability. We see that uh, uh, Moses actually uh, calls for the elders 
to uh, help draw out and take a lamb for each family and kill the Passover. He gets the elders involved, his leadership. Amen. Uh, he's not a lone ranger. You know, it's not all about Moses and a cult of personality. It's actually about uh, a group of people that have elders that have, uh, you know, leadership. And so question number 42, Exodus 12, 23, what would come into the house if the house did not have the blood on the doorposts? The answer is destroyer. And here, here's what God says, is for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. Wow. And he's responsible for all of this. God is in charge. Yeah, and the, ne- the next verse is interesting. He says, And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. That's it. The parents are to teach their children how the Lord deliver them as they go through the Passover service. The parents are to teach the children. It's a hands-on experience. Uh, Exodus chapter 12, verses 26 and 27. Yes, the, the children need to learn these things. Now, what happened at midnight in the land of Egypt? What uh, happened at midnight it's a very dark in moment. the it's, land of Egypt? It says uh, In verse 29, it says, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. That's... I mean, that's pretty that's a lot terrible. Of people. That's yeah, a lot it, of people. It is. I mean, think about it. It hit, it hit home, literally, for, for Pharaoh. Finally, his sins have caught up to him, and he's lost his, his heir to the throne, his firstborn son. That's right. And he actually, at this point, allows them to leave. He finally caves in. He drives them and, out now. And actually says, you know, uh, you can leave. And so uh, Israel, they, they actually leave from Ramses. But what was their first stop? This is an incredible uh, to point. Sukkot, they go from Sukkot. Ramses directly to Sukkot. And what does Sukkot mean? Booths. So I'm going to tell all of you something very exciting. Uh, the first time I ever went to Israel was for Sukkot, was for Tabernacles in 96, 97, and 98, uh, 19 in the 90s. And so uh, to, to experience Tabernacles was, was so awesome. And so I want to encourage all of you on this journey that... Uh, you know, prophetically, we're in we're in Pentecost. We're in Shavuot, which is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of spirits entangling us and coming at us. But we are trying to make our way to the fall feast. But I want to encourage you that our destination is Sukkot. Uh, even even Jacob comes to a place and, and calls it Sukkot uh, in his storyline. But I want to encourage you to 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 stay on the path of the Lord because it will lead you to Sukkot. And as we begin to look at some numbers uh, in the Bible, how many men were in the mass exodus in Exodus 12, 37? Question number 49 in the Torah questionnaire, how many men were in the mass exodus? 600,000 men. I don't know if you guys can picture this or not, and I'm not going to try to do the math. I don't know. Uh, supposedly, the average family had to be eight or nine children uh, as the count goes, because if you take 70 people going into Egypt for over 400 years, that's what it would take to produce 600,000 men. Yeah, and if you think about... Uh, Their wives. Yeah, and so then included with this 600,000 men, is what it says, specifically men, uh, if you take that and then you extrapolate out that, you know, 35%, or, or sorry, half of them are married with children. I mean, that's... And, 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 and at, that number at of, least. And that number of eight or nine children, I mean, it could be an astronomical number. I mean, I, mean, I just think about the families that... million is incredible. The Beit Tehillah families are... A, prolific bunch you know i mean with lots of children um in these families and to think about these guys who are known 
uh, throughout history of having lots of children uh, and multiplying greatly and quickly, uh, I can only imagine how many kids ended up uh, out of that 600,000 people. And so, yeah, of course, minimum 1.5 million, they say, upwards of about, you know, who knows the number. Uh, Moses actually. is the man. When it comes to leadership, oh, yeah. I think Moses, he is and the it, man. And it wasn't just them, right? So uh, there's another group that, that comes with them, which is an exciting group. But uh, Oh, yeah, we cannot forget this now. On the heels of this, you know, who's in your group? Uh, Exodus 12:38 says, And a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds, even very much cattle. A mixed multitude, and I was looking at this word, mixed, number 6154 in the Strong's Concordance. This is incredible. This is really interesting. It's the Hebrew word, Ereb, E-R-E-B. Does that sound like Arab? Ereb. And here it is. Listen to this. Like the web, transverse, threads of cloth, also a mixture or mongrel race. It actually says in the Strong's Concordance, Arabia, mingled people, mixed, or even wolf, W-O-O-F, a wolf. So it's a mixture of people. And so what we're witnessing today is this tapestry of threads, and I would even liken it to Joseph's coat of many colors. Well, and think about this. You know that? From the very beginning of Israel, Israel goes into Egypt as a family, and they come out of Egypt as a nation. So from the very beginning of Israel being a nation, they have another group of people attaching themselves to them. So there's a mixed multitude that is part of Israel. Oh, from yeah, the, From absolutely. the very beginning. Uh, and and some of them were Egyptians. So, right. so check that out. They become part of the commonwealth of Israel. So who is required to observe the night when the Lord brought his people out of Egypt? All the children of Israel. In their generations, yep. Exodus twelve forty two. All the children of Israel in their generations. And uh, if a man was uncircumcised, could he take part in the Passover? Nope. No, he could not. And I love this, Exodus twelve forty nine. One law shall be to him that is homeborn, and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. Notice that. What? One hope, Are one faith, sure? one baptism. It's one law. One Amen. law? It's one law, one standard. Amen. But I thought there was different sets of criteria, or sets of, uh, uh, you know, rules for different groups you, of people. You know, you come out of, no, you come out of this slave mentality, and, 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 and God is, is doing it and going before you. This is the cool thing, you know. He brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. Now, what comes to mind when you think about by their armies? I'm telling you, Ryan, I'm thinking about the Valley of Dry Bones. It starts to, <laughs> to get flesh. It, God breathes his spirit into them. And what do the Valley of Dry Bones become? An exceedingly great, An exceedingly great army. army. That's Amen. Awesome. Yeah. And so that is the hope that we have, that we are Praise truly... God part of an army man we are we are actually in the idf well it also makes you think that like they knew their groups right by tribe so on and so forth so by their armies you know specifically by their regiments right and and i can't stress this enough ryan i mean i mean what belonged to the lord and was sanctified in exodus 13 2 uh the firstborn and all the firstborn yep yep, and this is uh chapter 13 verse 2 and it says uh, sanctify unto me all the firstborn whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of israel both of man and beast, it is mine. And so when it comes to the firstborn, what qualifies as a firstborn is the, the firstborn that opens the womb. And, and I'm telling you, Ryan, um, Pastor Tikva, uh, the matriarch, the, 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 one of the founders of Beit Tehillah, she's a firstborn. 
My wife, Danielle, is a firstborn. I'm a firstborn. I have Josiah as a firstborn. You know, I'm a youngest and, born. And, and like I said, you know, there's a responsibility. If you are a firstborn, this is about hierarchy. You're not greater than the younger siblings or the ones in the, that are in the middle. You, you have a responsibility to fulfill your obligation to be righteous among the nations. And so I can't stress that enough, that if we could just realize this, we could change the world. And so we have, of course, uh, in Exodus 13, 9... And it shall be for a sign unto thee upon thine hand and for a memorial between thine eyes that the Lord's law may be in thy mouth for with a strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. Egypt represents the world. And of course, we know that our inheritance is Israel, Yerushalayim, the city of peace. We are not Babylon. We are Jerusalem. And so uh, in the book of Exodus, I want to encourage you. Some of you are actually... uh, uh, dealing with some things. In the beginning of Exodus, it's, it, it starts with a groan, but it ends with glory. So let me encourage you where you're at today. If you're groaning, if you're murmuring, if you're having a tough time, the glory is coming. The glory is ever near you. And so let's let's move towards his glory of the reunion, the restoration of the whole house of Israel. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. So we are finished with the Torah portion, bow, which means Come. And uh, you know what we want to say is we want to say, let's get out of Egypt. And then we want to say, Bo, Yeshua, Bo. Come, Jesus, come. That's our cry. And uh, hopefully that's your cry and that you're, you're crying out to the Lord with us and, uh, and that you're working on, uh, you know, you've got out, gotten out of Egypt and now you're working on getting the Egypt out of you, uh, just like the rest of us. And so uh, we just want to thank God and, uh, and bless you guys for listening today. As always, um, you know, please, uh, if you are listening to this on either uh, the iTunes, uh, you know, podcast app on your iPhone or on SoundCloud or any other application on Android, um, please subscribe uh, so that you will get notifications when we do post new podcasts because we don't always, we, we, we post this one at the same time every week, uh, but we don't always post at the same time every week because we have other things like interviews and whatnot uh, that we'll be posting uh, on a weekly basis. And so make sure you guys subscribe to it. Uh, you know, anytime you can can like or heart or or favorite or, or whatever uh, your app you're using allows you to do on our, our podcast, it helps us get the message out. And then also make sure that you rate our podcast as well. Uh, again, all of those things help us out and help us get the message out to more people. And, uh, and for you guys personally, uh, if you want to reach out to us, uh, you can always contact us through our normal means through the website, uh, through email at info at to praise.net, uh, and also by phone by calling the office here at uh, 813-654-2222. Praise God. God bless. Have a great week.